see more innovation in packaging and processing at Pack Expo International than anywhere else in the world. It's the show that defines where the industry is headed, with the solutions that define where your business can go. Discover cutting-edge packaging technology, processing equipment, new materials, sustainable solutions, supply chain resources, and much, much more. You'll walk away with innovative solutions to challenges big and small. Register at PackExpoInternational.com. You're listening to Unpacked with PMMI, where we share the latest packaging and processing industry insights, research, and innovations to help you advance your business. Hi, and welcome to another edition of Unpacked with PMMI. I'm your host, Sean Riley, Senior Director of Media and Industry Communications for PMMI. And today we are welcoming Jim Krizan, Vice President of Content and Brand Strategy for the PMMI Media Group. Jim participated in three days worth of Vision 2025 sessions at PAC Expo Las Vegas and Healthcare Packaging Expo 2019. He's going to give us a quick look at the topics and trends tackled by the CPGs, OEMs, and contract packagers during the event. It's great to have you with us today, Jim. Thanks, Sean, and thanks for inviting me, and thank PMMI for inviting the media group to attend these sessions. I found it fascinating. Uh, day one was asset reliability, and Dana Greenlee from Emerson started uh, the panel discussion by saying, you know, we're data rich and information poor. So I thought, well, here goes a discussion about metrics, collection, and analysis. But as soon as the group discussion started, it quickly shifted to people and partnerships, and those seem to be the common thread running through all three days. And I think that I heard again and again that OEMs and contract packagers and CPGs are seeking partnerships rather than simply transactions. And uh, the need for breaking down silos between suppliers and buyers, but also within their own organizations came up again and again, and how hard it is to build a culture of asset reliability and keep it going, sustaining it with your day-to-day pressures to perform. So I was also um, in attendance for most of these. So when, you know, Dana puts out there that that we're going to talk about data and I've seen this kind of thing happen in the past, do you think it's just once CPGs and OEMs sit down together, they just kind of circles back to the common problems that always pop up? I I think it does. And I think it's harder for journalists like you or me to write the story over and over again because it is so so similar. And I think the the real benefit for the uh, participants is the networking, that you have these folks sitting down together and it's a great open forum where they can voice, um, uh, for instance, the OEMs definitely want to be included earlier in discussions to try to understand what the CPA or co-packer is trying to accomplish and maybe the OEM proposes a solution that the buyer hadn't even thought of because they're more aware of what they're really trying to accomplish. So a key takeaway for me on the asset reliability day one was that it's not a one-time program, but a continuous process that's often interrupted by day-to-day operations. Uh, Chad Sales from Hormel uh, said, you know, we're excellent firefighters, and sometimes you just have to lock people in a room and say, we're solving this for the next few days. Right. So, so it's not a um, it's not a situation where you go to an OEM and you pick out a machine and they put it in your plant and that's that. Yeah, it's yeah. something that they want to expand into more of, like you said, a partnership, a collaboration that is ongoing and hopefully will include you know, the life of the machine, many more machines to come. Yep. I, I remember one of the C, uh, CPGs saying that when you buy a machine, you're in effect getting married to that OEM for 10, 15 right. years because that's how long you hope to keep it operating. All right. Um, 
let's move on then and uh, see what they had to say for day two. Day two, the focus was on multifunctional equipment and changeovers. And of course, that's a response to the crazy proliferation of SKUs that we're seeing. And I think it was Tom Miller from General Mills who said, you know, they used to have mostly core products and a few, I think he called them dogs and cats, you know, outliers. And he said, now all their customers are seeking product differentiation. Now, would that is that tied just to the big box stores and the club stores? Or would we think that that's obviously has something to do with the Amazons and the e-commerce of the world? I think not only the e-commerce uh, players in the world, but the Whole Foods and, and all those different right, types right, of okay. stores. Target now, mm-hmm. your grocery. All these uh, uh, mass merchandisers kind of went into the grocery biz, and everybody wants a different kind of pack out. And uh, I remember uh, Tom saying that, you know, we used to change a package size and figure that it would last for five years, and now it's 12 months. And when you're talking about uh, uh, something like changeovers, why am I buying these expensive changeover parts that are designed to last for 20 years? Right, right. right? Why can't we may, maybe like print those or give me something less expensive that I'll buy more often? And I thought that was really a key. So maintaining the relationship in a way that, that keeping pace with the changes on the, the end user side as an OEM which again goes back to not just selling them a piece of equipment. Um, exactly right. Okay. Knowing, yeah. being aware that they are going through these, these yes, changes Yes, exactly as well. right. And having it uh, have some continuity throughout the process, not only on the machine, but the change parts or the training, or right. all the different things they need. Uh, Richard Larson, who's a contract manufacturer, talked about one of his clients that has 30 SKUs and they want fresh product. They don't want it stored in a warehouse. So he has shorter runs and more frequent uh, changeovers. So all of these conversations have shifted from speed and reliability. You remember five years ago, it was like, we're going to run one thing. We want to run it as fast as we can. As cheap as possible. As cheap as possible. And now the conversations are agility, flexibility, different formats, sizes. And uh, I think you found also that many of the CPGs are leaning heavily on contract packagers to pick up the slack for them. And I heard all this week on the show floor that contract packagers are coming in buying much more expensive systems and machineries in order to um, to ramp up to help the CPG, uh, CPGs and OEMs. Are this are the contract packagers prepared? For that, do you feel like I, I think so? I think that people have a misconception that they're very small mom and pop operations, okay. and many of them have you know twelve facilities around the country, and a CP, uh, CPG is ordering different things regionally, and so the the uh, they're able to reach out to the contract packagers and say, "You do this for us, and then we don't have to buy this equipment. Right. You buy the." And, and again, as the uh, group discussion started, which are super valuable to be able to listen into, uh, it evolved into bemoaning about workforce retention issues. Uh, one fellow at a table I was at said, you know, we, we hire someone, background check, we train them, they're working out okay. And six weeks later, they leave and we try to do an exit interview and find out why. And they say, basically, it's for personal reasons. And we're not able to press that. And so we've lost an employee and we don't know what to change in order for it to not happen again. And this was at that, not only the OEM level, but the CPG level as well. And you've got situations here where people are getting a job and they're ghosting their employer on day <laughs> one and never even showing up, which is just incredible. Is I don't want to say is there just too many jobs? Is it just they don't like the work when they get there? Or is it we really don't know? I think part of it is the internet and social media because now uh, the younger millennials in the workforce are being trained, don't go ask for a 3% raise, leave and go ask for a higher salary at a new job. And that's happening a lot. Interesting. Yeah, yeah, exactly okay. right. Well, let's wrap it into day three. Um, 
that kind of was the last day of the show, but we had a great turnout, um, which in Vegas is, is hard to do after especially, three days. Especially after yeah, three days. After three I, days. I agree. And uh, it was early, and people came eager to participate. And uh, day three was about writing better requests for proposals. And again, communications with all the stakeholders early on and often was the theme. And there's misunderstandings or communications between buyer and supplier, as well as inside each organization. I think one of the coolest ideas I heard discussed was the notion of a, a pre-factory acceptance test where a few people come out and uh, see the machine three or four weeks before they're going to have the factory acceptance test so they can identify issues that they can address before the test because the FAT might be three days before shipping and now you have a long laundry list of things you have to fix like welds and things like that. And I remember that another issue that they brought up, um, which I, I was something I wasn't thinking of, is they also aren't necessarily having enough time to take into consideration, is this going to fit through this doorway to get yeah. where it has to go? Or is it going yeah. to fit into the space that I want this to be on the floor? Um, yeah, and that's and, another thing where the collaborating earlier helps. And they talked about the collaboration between corporate and the plant, because corporate might have a a high vision of what they want to accomplish and the plant will tell them we don't have power there we don't right. have air there we the don't thing. have the doors mm -hmm. kind of thing so it, you've got to get it and and the plant uh, together on what is actual uh, really possible to do and uh, i remember colin warrens from adco he's one of the oems on a panel he had a great idea they used to have eternal disconnection between sales and engineering. So ADCO established a cradle-to-grave project management team that sticks with the project once the order comes in, and they found that this continuity helps. And Colin's team sees 200 to 300 RFPs in a year, ranging from a one-page email to a 400-page document. So he was talking about, you know, special requests come in that add to the cost, and the RFPs stretch from base machines to super custom projects. And sometimes ADCO has to come back and say, we can do what you want, but it's going to cost more and take longer time. And sometimes the CPG will come back and say, well, we don't really need that that much, so let's take that off of there. So, okay. again, it's the basics of communication, right? I know we discussed, uh, as we've talked, we've mentioned OEMs, you know, original equipment manufacturers, CPGs, consumer packaged goods companies, um, contract packagers, contract manufacturers. What was the um, diversity of the um, different industries that was represented? Right. Did so that it, go fairly across the board? And it did, and it seemed to be common through each day, and that was probably 60 to 70% food, um, but there were personal care and pharma people and beverage people there, and I think it really helped when they were breaking out into those sessions and talking about their own specific problems that they all realize that we have the same problem. Yeah, it allows for a little cross-pollination of different ideas. Exactly that go into different right, which, segments. which we've long held in the magazine, too. Uh, you know, we went to that editorial advisory board meeting we had, and all the packaging world readers who are doing food say, we want more information about pharma because they're leading the way with track and trace, for instance. So, okay. And that's one of the things that are greatest about 2025 and the folks that put it together is this, the networking is fabulous. And you see these people, the event ends and they're supposed to get out to the show floor and they're standing in the hall still talking to one another that's so, terrific yeah su super value there all right well then I, I i think that's about what we have for today i'd like to really again thank you for taking your time you know from the show floor and 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 after the show to work with us and uh, help us out on this podcast jim um thank you for listening to unpacked with pmmi be sure to join us next time for more packaging and processing industry insights thanks sean Please rate, review, and subscribe. To do that, 
Go to the iTunes podcast or Spotify app on your phone and search for Unpacked with PMMI.